Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. Our next guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Lance Allworth was the greatest wide receiver in AFL history, and some will tell you the greatest wide receiver of all time. He's been a Super Bowl winner. He's been a league MVP, and he still holds the record, tied by Calvin Johnson, for most games, that would be five, with 200 or more yards and catches. One difference. Lance did it five decades ago. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame, the Chargers Hall of Fame. He was the first AFL player elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he's a member of the All-AFL team, the University of Arkansas's All-Century team, and the NFL's 75th anniversary team. Well, now, yeah, now he is ours. Lance Allworth, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, uh... Uh, you know, I, it, it took uh, a long, long time to accumulate all that. I didn't even realize that all that happened during these years. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> it did. That's funny. Hey, Lance, we had Gino Capaletti on in the first hour, and Ron, tell him what Gino said. First of all, he said to, to remember you, or to remember himself to you, but then he said, Ron? Thank you. Yeah, Gino's a good friend of mine. He said, you know, you probably forgot he was a defensive back his first year in the AFL, and he said it was a break for you that they moved him to offense because he might have been the only guy who could cover you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, Lance, when you left Arkansas, you were drafted by the 49ers and the Oakland Raiders, the AFL, of course. The Raiders then traded you to San Diego, one of the great deals of all time. Uh, but then you signed with the Chargers instead of San Francisco. Why'd you take a chance on an upstart league? Well, you know, honestly, uh, it was really, at that time, you know, we didn't really have any clubs in the South. So, you know, when, when I was drafted, so that, football was not, you know, what it is today. And uh, at the time they drafted me, I got, you know, you didn't have agents or anything because there wasn't that much money. When I signed, I, I signed for a $10,000 bonus and a $20,000 salary for two years. So, you know, you, there, there wasn't that much money in Boston. No one was involved except yourself and negotiating with them. And when, you know, your kid just coming out of college and I got, I talked to the, uh, Chargers, and they said, "Well, you know, we'll give you a no-cut contract for two years, and you know, in the ten and twenty, I said, fine." And then I talked with the Forty uh, ers and they said, "Well, number one, we won't give you a no-cut contract." And I said, "You're not well." I said, "You know, that's what I'd like to have. I'm, I don't want to spend two years not knowing what I'm going to do." And I said, "Well, thank you very much." And that was the uh, you know that was the only conversation I had with them regarding contracts. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Things have changed. And, uh, things have really changed, believe me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's remarkable, but uh, that's, that's, that's where they were coming from in those days. Uh, yeah, the position. NFL said, we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> it's typical. Uh, uh, your position coach in San Diego was a guy I got to know well, uh, covering the Raiders for many years, Al Davis. Uh, he always was passionate about you, and he always used to tell me and anybody else who would listen that uh, you, know, you were the – greatest receiver that, to ever play. I'm just wondering, obviously a lot resonated with you when it came to Al. You had him as your presenter at the Hall of Fame. Did your relationship change when he left there and went to Oakland? And if so, how did it change? Say that our relationship, not at all. Uh, I always had the utmost respect for him, and I, I feel like he did the same to me. Uh, I, I loved him as a human being, and uh, we always, uh, uh, before the ball games, and, you know, in fact, 
he would call me at times and ask me about defensive backs when he was in Oakland and say, well, should I trade for them? Or, or you know, how, what do you feel about it? How do you feel about them? So I, I had a, a just a really good relationship with him that, that went, you know, beyond uh, beyond football, really. And uh, I don't know. He was just you know, he, he's a person that I f- just felt like uh, the epitome of, you know, of, of, of what I'd like to have for a dad. Well, just a, well, a great person, a great coach, and, you know, he, he seemed just to do uh, – if he told you he was going to do something, he did it. And uh, that was during those times uh, – there weren't very many people doing that. We're with Chargers great Lance Allworth on the Talk of Fame Network, and Lance is the epitome of what most people would want as a wide receiver. And Lance, I was watching film recently of the 63 Chargers, and that's a team that broke Ron's young heart when you crushed Boston you in did. the AFL championship game. Ron still hasn't gotten over that. In fact, Gino I Capaletti, waited all day for that game, Lance, and it was over in like four minutes. That was <laughs> well, Gino Capaletti hasn't gotten over it either. I asked him about it. He goes, I don't remember it. <laughs> I said, for good reason. Anyway, I was struck by how good or overwhelming that team was on both sides of the ball. How do you think that team would have fared in the NFL? Because Gino Capaletti said to us, if you had played the Chicago Bears, the team that won that year in the NFL – he thinks you would have been at least competitive and might have beaten them. Well, you know, I, I played on one other uh, Super Bowl team, and that was with the Dallas Cowboys in my later years. And honestly, the best team I played on was the '63 Chargers. They had a great offense. Uh, Paulo, Keith Lincoln. Uh, we had some great linemen with Ron Mix, and uh, gosh, we had great defenses with uh, probably two of the biggest guys in the league at that time, and not only big but very active with. You know, with Ernie Ladd, and uh, it was it was it was the best team that I played on. I'd have to say we'd been a little competitive. We always looked forward to, uh, you know, we always were wanting to challenge them, but uh, nobody would play us at the time. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll never really know. But I feel like we uh, we could have held our own. I can guarantee you that. What was it like, Lance, when uh, two things seemed to really, or three things actually seemed to really uh, crystallize things for the AFL? Uh, the the first big TV contract and then Joe Namath signing with the Jets and then Super Bowl three and and the Jets winning that game which almost everybody I've talked to whoever played in the AFL said that that wasn't a Jets victory that was for the whole league that was an AFL victory what was that like that day when when they won that game you know I was in the stands that day so I, you know uh, I wasn't surprised I was you know, personally, uh, very, very happy about it, but, uh, you know, because it just, it, it meant so much to me because I, everybody kept telling us we couldn't play with them and we knew we could. So it was just, uh, you know, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to play against them, you know, and, and, uh, I, I think everybody felt that way. And that's probably one of the reasons why the AFL won that game was, you know, we, uh, the guys, you know, had been hearing all these years how bad we were in comparison and, or, you know, we weren't just as good as everybody else and, and wanted to prove it. So I, I feel like that had an awful lot to do with, uh, with the Jets winning that first game. We're talking with Hall of Fame receiver Lance Allworth on the Talk of Fame Network. And Lance, earlier on the show, we asked AFL historian Todd Tobias, whom you know well, of course, we asked him to name five AFL players he would put in the hall. So I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I will ask you to name one. Who would that be? John Hadle. I got to name another one too. Johnny Robinson from uh, as a defensive back. John, everywhere John went, he won, and he is probably in the top five or six if you look at all the stats. And he just, you know, he didn't win a Super Bowl, but he won everything else. 
and he was a, just a tremendous football player and leader. So, uh, you know, he's just just a guy that I feel like has been overlooked. And Johnny Robinson, uh, the safety for Kansas City, was the same way. I mean, uh, you locked your jock when you went across the middle with him because, uh, <laughs> you know, when you go across the middle, you can, uh, if you go get the ball, normally a defensive back will give you a split second to catch. If you go up to get it, there's a split second that he hesitates unless you get it. Uh, there are a few people that don't. Johnny Robinson was one of those that didn't. He just went right through you. So, you know, he had my respect, and I, I, I think his record shows that, uh, you know, he probably, uh, you know, uh, he, he deserves recognition. He was, he was a great ball player. I watched those games, AFL games, uh, you know, as, as a kid and was a fan of the league, obviously, because I was growing up in Boston. They had Geno and the Patriots and all, and now I watch the game now. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, from, from your uh, perspective, how do you think you would do today under the current NFL rules, which they call limited contact, I call no contact, as opposed to when you were trying to run through there and Willie Brown was knocking your face off and all of that? Uh, you know, it... it, it Times have changed so much, and uh, you know I'd like to think that uh, that I do pretty well because uh, if a guy can't touch you or can't get in the hands of you, that you know, that was the main thing was trying to get away from those guys all the time so you could catch the ball. So if you're given the freedom of uh, you know of not being able to to really be grabbed or held as as much as uh, as we were in those days, then uh, then you know it it, it you know it, it takes the edge away from the defensive guys too. So I don't know. I I'd like to think I'd do pretty well, and uh, I, I think anybody playing during the time that that we played with you know with different rules and regulations would uh, would feel that way too. So it's kind of sad to me that they've done away with a lot of it because you know, the contact was what's what the games are all about. You know, even with the concussions, I you know I'm really I feel sorry for everybody that had them. So do I had them too, and. Um, you know, and I don't think that any of the guys that have had the problems, if they had, you know, a chance to do it over, would do it any differently than, than what they did then because they loved the game and they loved to play and it, it provided, you know, life for them. So, anyway, I'm getting to a different subject. but uh, Oh, it's, uh, it's interesting. I was, I'm wondering, was there a defensive back in particular that gave you the most trouble when, when, when you were back there playing? Is there one guy you comes to mind you say, boy, that was a tough day. If Willie Brown. There you go. <laughs> you mentioned him already. <laughs> yeah, that guy could cover anything. <laughs> he was, yeah, it's really funny because the only, only way you could, only way you could really beat him was I'd, you'd come off, I'd come off the side and, I mean, he always had his hands all over you and I, uh, you know, I mean, he was quick and he was just as quick as you were and I'd come, I'd take about four or five steps and I'd just start to look back over my shoulder like, all oh, the play's over. And I'd, I'd do it four or five or six times. And finally, I'd get him to look, and I'd tell John, John, I got him, you know. <laughs> and we did it in San Diego, and and we'd done it to him before. And and he knew I was doing it, but he just he just couldn't keep from putting his eyes back there. And so <laughs> we threw it, and we did it. And he says, "You'll never do that to me again, Lance. You'll never do that to me again." And so the next series of downs, I told John, I said, John, let's try it again. And we tried it again, and it worked. And he was so uh, he was so upset about it because he's such a great cornerback and cover guy. And he he couldn't believe that we, that we got it twice in a row on just looking back. And, not, you know, he was uh, being lackadaisical himself. He wasn't paying attention. So, But, you know, he, he's, he's the guy that, 
<clears throat> Al Davis asked me, he was in uh, Denver, and Al called me and said, you know, uh, this guy's been hurt, he hadn't been playing much, and he said, what do you think about him? I said, Al, he's the best guy I've ever played against. And Al said, well, I'm going to get him, and sure enough, he did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, the rest is sort of history. But he's a great defensive back, or he was, and, you know, I have the utmost respect for him. Well, Lance, we've got the utmost respect for you. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but this has been fun. But it's been more than fun. It's just a privilege to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk again sometime. Thanks, Lance. Thanks, Lance. That was Hall of Fame wide receiver Lance Allworth. When we return, we'll talk about next week's Contributors Committee that will emerge with one candidate for the class of 2016. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products, great people, and great prices.